0: By becoming a monthly patron, you'll also receive our weekly newsletter.
1: Welcome to the Quillette Podcast. I'm Jonathan Kay, Quillette's Canadian editor. Amid wider concerns about the book publishing industry, one sector that has produced numerous blockbusters has been young adult, or YA as it's known. In sprawling series such as The Hunger Games or Twilight, YA authors often explore dystopian and paranormal themes and invite lucrative adaptation to film and television. But the YA genre also has witnessed numerous controversies, sometimes playing out among fans and occasionally playing out among authors, who prosecute their feuds on social media, sometimes seeking to get targeted books modified, delayed, or even unpublished. One such controversy erupted this week, centering on YA author Emily Wen Zhao and her book Blood Air. On Thursday, I spoke on the phone with Connecticut-based author Kat Rosenfield, who has been following such controversies in YA for years, and whose new article, About Blood Air, was published this week on Vulture.com. Here are excerpts from that interview. We apologize for the low audio quality during some parts of the phone conversation. Who is Amélie Wenzhoub?
0: Amina Renzao is a debut author. Uh, She writes YA fantasy, and she had sold her first series, her first book and her first series, uh, on a three-book deal to Delacorte Press at auction, which is a big deal if you're a debut author. It means, um, you know, a lot of of houses bidding on your work, a lot of money involved. And her book was called Blood Air. It was going to be the first of three, and it was slated for publication this June.
1: Could you tell me a little bit about what you know about the plot of Blood Air?
0: So, I don't know a ton. I became aware of this book in the context of the controversy surrounding it, which ended up being brief by comparison to, to what these, the way these things usually play out. But Essentially, it's a sort of an Anastasia retelling set in a world based on Russia slash Siberia, um, I believe with medieval influences. And, of course, because it's fantasy, there's blood magic involved, people who have powers. The pitch line was Anastasia meets Six of Crows, which is a fantasy series. And it involves a rebellion with teenagers who are fighting against a larger power.
1: So it sounds a little bit kind of Hunger Game ish, is that right?
0: You know, I think that a a better comparison would be something like uh, Lee Bardugo's Grisha series, um, something that takes place in a a more of a sort of a medieval inspired Game of Thrones sort of a a landscape. But similar story teenagers fighting the power, fomenting rebellion. um, And this just has obviously, of course, more magic in it too.
1: Now, the author herself has an interesting backstory. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Sure.
0: Um, I mean, Amelie Lenzao is, I think, Parisian-born, and then um, she's really had an interesting upbringing. So she moved to China, I believe, as a child, and then emigrated to the U.S. from China at the age of 18. And then when she got involved in writing YA, she was a really interesting kind of social media success story where she met her agent on Twitter in this Twitter pitching contest called BB Pitt, which is for marginalized authors and creators. And she definitely has an interesting background in terms of how she came to
1: publishing. There seems to be a strain in some of these controversies about YA fiction, where People start talking about the book even before it's been published, although I, I understand there are some review copies that have circulated. Is it true that many of the people who are talking about this book haven't actually had a chance to read it?
0: Yeah, that, that tends to be the case when one of these controversies really gets rolling. Um, you'll have a handful of people who have read it, and then you'll have a lot of people who heard from someone who heard from someone that are nevertheless willing to get on the bandwagon.
1: And what is the substantive claim against this book? Why have people campaigned against it?
0: This is really, honestly, it's quite convoluted. I have covered controversies like this before, and this one is is really bizarre. So it began um, about a week ago. There was this sort of whispering happening on Twitter um, about an author who was behaving badly and who was, planning to stalk bloggers who had given her negative reviews or go after bloggers who had given her negative reviews. So that was where this all started. Eventually, somebody said, oh, this author that everyone's whispering about is Amelie Wenzel. There was never any proof that this was the case. The person who made the accusation declined to explain further you know, why she thought it was true. But once she had named names, it did kind of unleash, it was like, it was like something had cracked open. Um, and all of a sudden there were all of these other allegations swirling around that um, Zhao had plagiarized, that she had lifted a scene from The Hunger Games, that she would copied a line from J.R.R. Tolkien. She'd screwed up the naming conventions of her Russian-inspired characters. And then ultimately the allegation that really kind of caught fire and caught people's interest was that she had engaged insensitively with a slavery plot line that involved a black character being killed off at a slave auction.
1: Historically, black slaves were subject to all sorts of horrendous forms of violence, including murder. Why was the depiction of that seen as controversial? Well,
0: so this is where it starts to get kind of dicey in terms of you're talking about the identities of authors, the identities of characters, who is entitled to tell which kinds of stories and obviously slavery isn't a uniquely American uh, invention and there's history involved in other countries and so on. It's sort of hard to explain but the people who were taking issue with this were coming at it from a very American historical context, you know, assuming that it was insensitive to, for for Zhao, who's not black herself, to try to tackle this subject matter, to kill off a black character in this scene. And the fact that it's, it's not even necessarily clear that this character is black uh, ended up being kind of beside the
1: point. So just for the benefit of listeners, these are American social justice critics who are critiquing a, a French-born woman of East Asian ancestry, writing a made-up novel that takes place in Russia and they're reading into it overtones about America's tradition with slavery. Is that right? Yeah, that pretty much sums it up. My understanding is that wrapped up in this entire controversy has been this subtext about who gets to call themselves a person of color in the YA community. Has that been part of the set of allegations against this author?
0: Um, not exactly. There's there's been a lot of kind of social justice-related beefing and controversy in the YA community, which is very focused on diversity. Um, And I should add, you know, for good reason, because YA particularly is very much dominated by white female authors and even in-house in publishing. It's mostly white people working there. So there's a genuine desire to see more and different kinds of people telling more and different kinds of stories. But once you take that concern onto Twitter, as is typical for Twitter, things start to get a little bit out of control and a little bit ugly. About eight months ago, there was a little bit of a stat um, between Asian women writers and some members of, of the young adult fiction community on Twitter where one author, Justina Ireland, said something that some people felt was insensitive and exclusionary and suggested that Asian women weren't real women of color. And it just sort of viraled into a, you know, a discussion of gatekeeping, a lot of subtweeting, a lot of suggestions that some people needed to only tell certain kinds of stories and stay in their own lane and you know were certain narratives off-limits. Um, And it's it's hard to say, I I should make it clear that it's not, you can't paint a direct line from the one thing to the other. It's more that you have this kind of context for these conversations to take place. Uh, There's always this backdrop of a larger debate about who gets to tell certain stories, who owns certain narratives.
1: Even before modern identity politics reared its head, these sort of spats would play out in literary circles. I'm thinking of Norman Mailer and his set in mid-20th century New York. How much of this is driven by pure jealousy?
0: I honestly couldn't say. I mean, I think that certainly YA is very competitive. Publishing is very competitive. You do see that these spats will not always, but often take place between people who... Right in the same genre, who perceive each other as competition. I think, you know, as far as jealousy, it's maybe more a sense of, particularly amongst marginalized authors, of of very many people clamoring for very few spots on the shelf in the catalog with editors and so
1: on. But it sounds like the actual financial stakes are quite high. In this case, you said a six-figure deal was on the table? Yeah, I mean,
0: it's you know, that's not usual. So that was obviously an incredible success story for a debut author. To get a six-figure deal, what alone a high six-figure deal is really, really rare. Most of the writers who write in YA
1: don't make a living from their books. This is not the first time you've written about this broad subject. I guess it was a year or two ago. You wrote a widely read article also for Vulture on a similar controversy. Could you briefly describe that for our listeners?
0: Sure. So uh, basically about two years ago, I noticed that these sort of social social justice oriented call outs were uh, a thing that was happening in the YA scene where somebody would get a hold of an ARC and an advanced readers copy that's not gone through full copy edits, but is basically the book as it's going to be when it's published several months from then. In, within the community, um, there were these controversies that would bubble up and then sometimes they'd calm down and sometimes they wouldn't. And because they they all sort of took this certain shape, you know similar to what happened with Anlay's you you'd find a debut author being targeted and accused of doing something less than perfectly woke in their book, and the the controversy that really caught my attention was against this book called The Black Witch, which, you know, similar deal, was not out yet, had not been widely read, and on the weight of basically one blogger's very upset review, um, she called it the most racist, offensive book that she'd ever read, I think, the this book experienced this massive campaign to get it pulled from shelves and it, it went on for, it seemed like months at the time. Um, people were just kind of conspiring to brigade the Goodreads page with one star reviews. And there was all of this, um, drama on Twitter. You know, if you, were, if you plan on reading this book unfollow me, like if you plan on reading this book, it means you're racist. So the, The controversy itself was interesting to me, but I also was interested in what was happening in the community that was, you know, giving rise to this kind of dynamic and allowing this to happen and and allowing it to get so out of control. So I did spend several months reporting a piece about it and interviewing people within the community on, you know, sort of both sides of the debate, some of whom felt that things had gotten really toxic, some of whom thought that this was kind of a form of a necessary growing pains for the genre to get better at including diversity and that about sums it
1: up what is it about ya that makes it so vulnerable to this kind of i'm not sure what to call it it sort of sounds like a witch hunt
0: yeah you know i don't know i think that partly it's because the audience is younger people do invoke this kind of high state won't somebody think of the children you're causing harm to children kind of rhetoric and in that sense young adult fiction has always been a little bit of a magnet for controversy. When I was growing up in the 90s, it was more people coming from the right who were going after books for being too gay or too dark or you know promoting violence or something like that. And now a similar similar controversy, similar shape, and still invoking this idea of children being harmed, just coming from a different
1: direction. In the most recent case involving Wen Wenzao, my understanding is that she voluntarily retracted her book. Is, is, is that the case? It's not going to be published?
0: Yeah, it's not clear to me whether she has decided to cancel her book completely or if she's just not publishing it at this time. Um, that was sort of the language that she used. And it may mean that she intends to delay it and make edits to sort of appease the critics and then that it will be released at a later date.
1: Has the publisher given any statement on this?
0: Uh, not that I've seen. I, I know that her agent has released a statement, and she's released a statement, but I, I haven't actually checked to see if the publisher has released a statement.
1: Have you spoken to publishers, not necessarily this one, and gotten their view of this phenomenon and, and what they think of it?
0: So when I wrote this piece about a year and a half ago, I did talk to a lot of people in the industry, including um, somebody quite high up in publishing, And that person at the time was very skeptical of the power of these social media campaigns to actually make any real difference in the lives of authors or readers. The the sense there was that it was kind of a tempest in a teapot and that it was something that you could ignore and not suffer any
1: consequences for. Have you had a chance to see what rank-and-file YA fans are saying on on Reddit or or Twitter or Facebook? Well, uh, this book was
0: really bugged about. People really, really liked it. Um, and as is often the case, you know, it started with this kind of one rumbling... This, I mean, this story was a little bit weird because it started with this accusation of, of weird, bad behavior instead of an accusation of something wrong within the text. But even as the controversy began to kind of heat up a little bit. You could still see people saying, wait a minute, I, you know, I was so excited to read this, or I loved this book. What's what's going on? I don't understand what's happening.
1: The original allegation, if that's the right word, against this author was that she had engaged in aggressive negative behavior online, the result of which is that she was then subject to aggressive negative behavior online. Has there been anybody who has launched a counteroffensive against the author's critics.
0: Um, I wouldn't actually say that the that the original allegations were that she had engaged in aggressive behavior online. The original allegations were that she was secretly plotting to do something aggressive eventually, which I think you know is worth putting a pin in because it's it's just such a strange way of articulating a complaint. That said, there's certainly been a lot of. Pushback, back, especially once she canceled her book. A lot of people both inside and outside publishing are weighing in um, with dismay or anger or larger scale complaints about voices being suppressed. Jordan Peterson's had something to say about it. So it certainly caught the attention of a wider audience at this point.
1: Last question. If you had to make a prediction... A year from now, will this book be released by that time?
0: If I had to guess, and this is a totally uninformed, stab in the dark, spitballing kind of a guess, I would say that yes, we'll we'll see this book released. She'll most likely take it back, make some edits, and then they'll they'll choose a new release date, and it will come out probably, you know, accompanied by a statement from Dow that she's grateful for the opportunity to have made her book better.
1: Kat Rosenfield's article on Vulture.com is called The Latest Why a Twitter Pylon Forces a Rising Star to Self-Cancel. Kat Rosenfield, thank you so much for joining us.
0: Thanks for having me. If you would like to support Quillette, please consider becoming a patron. Head to our Patreon page. That's patreon.com forward slash Quillette.